This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. I'm amazed and excited to see so many people here. Uh, welcome, thank you for coming. I'm Lisa Sewell, and I'm the director of the Gender and Women's Studies program at Villanova. Um, we have information about the Gender and Women's Studies program and about other events on the table um, in the front of the cinema, so I hope you'll pick that up. There's also information from Health Promotion there and um, from the Pennsylvania Commission Against Rape. There's some um, wristbands, I think, health sanitizer, hand sanitizer out there. So um, take a look at the table as you're, um, as you're leaving. So um, I just wanted to say that this event is a collaboration between the Gender and Women's Studies Program, the Office of Health Promotion, and the student organization, NOVA SVA, which focuses on raising awareness about sexual assault and gender-related violence on campus. Um, and Kayla Cook is the president of NOVA SVA, and she's gonna be our MC for tonight. But I, I wanna take this opportunity with so many of you, a captive audience, to tell you about um, a few other gender and women's studies events that are coming up, and it would be super great if you all came to those too. Um, so the first one that's coming up is next Thursday on October 2nd at 6 p.m. It's in Driscoll Auditorium. Gail Danley, a performance poet, nationals um, poetry slam champion, really dynamic speaker is gonna come, and her, her talk is called A Woman's Words. Um, on Monday, October 6th, um, we have the, so um, the Gender and Women's Studies program here is part of a consortium between all the universities in the area, including Temple and Haverford, Bryn Mawr, University of Delaware, and um, every year they bring a scholar in residence, and this year the scholar in residence is Ruth Wilson Gilmore. She teaches in the departments of Earth and Environmental Sciences and American Studies at CUNY Graduate Center, and she basically works on um, uh, talking about the prison system in this um, country. So her talk is called Mass Incarceration Today, Understanding the Present Conjuncture. That's Monday, October 6th at 4.30 in Bartley, 10.11. So I hope you'll come to that as well. Um, and then Thursday, October 2nd, no wait, sorry, on October 9th, so three days later at 6.30, um, Professor Tim Horner and Brian McCabe from Campus Ministry are going to facilitate a discussion that is t totally relevant to our conversation today. Um, the title is Breaking Bad Silence, Men Talking About Sexual Assault and Rape, and that's gonna be in the Haverford Room in Connolly, and that's a men-only conversation. So all of you men who are here, I think if you show up, Tim will be in trouble <laughs> because the Haverford Room is kind of small, but I encourage you um, to attend that event as well as a kind of follow-up event to, this, to the conversation we have today. Um, so that's everything, welcome, and I'm gonna turn things over to Kayla. All right, thank you, Lisa. So as Lisa mentioned, my name is Kayla Cook. I am president of NOVA SVA, which is Villanova's first sexual violence awareness here on campus. So basically, as you probably know, or maybe you don't, you're just here for a gender class, this is about uh, the White House panel report, which came out recently. We're gonna be talking about sexual assaults, hookup culture, gender, and sexual <laughs> norms on a national scale, as well as right here at Villanova. So to start things off, we're doing a little activity. You are actually allowed to get out your phones for this. So there's gonna be a number right here. So I will tell you what it is. 
but start thinking about this question. What is the first word or a big word that comes to mind when you think about hookup culture or sexual norms at Villanova? Okay, so. <laughs> okay, because you're gonna test, all right, what you're gonna test is to the number 3760, that's the phone number that you're gonna text to. You're going to text the other number, five five four nine one two and then space in your word so these are going to come up anonymously so say whatever you want but make it relevant to the question of what comes to mind when you think about hookup culture or sexual norms at Villanova <coughs> boys <laughs> Villanova, 
And then Stacy is here to talk to us um, about how Villanova is reacting to some of these things, both nationally and here at Villanova. So I will introduce all three of them, and then we will come down the line to hear from each of them. So, sorry. Diane Moyer is legal director for the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape, founded in 1975. The coalition has a network of 51 rape crisis programs that provide services to every commonwealth in Pennsylvania. Since 1996, Ms. Moyer has been working to advance PCAR's mission to advocate for the rights and needs of victims of sexual assault. Ms. Moyer has appeared in numerous media outlets, including PBS, The Washington Post, and The Weekly Reader. She won the Victim Advocacy Award from the National Crime Victim Law Institute and the Leadership Award from the Victim Rights Law Center. We could welcome her here today. And then to, right over here to my left, we have Stacy Andes, the Director of Health Promotion at Villanova University. She currently heads up the SARC team at Villanova, so that's the Sexual Assault Resources Coordinator team. A number of those people are here today, so some of your ideas could potentially be used um, by the SARC team. As a backup team member and SARC tra team trainer, Stacy believes that the team approach to providing support to students who have experienced sexual violence is a direct expression of Villanova's commitment to Caritas. Care. She believes that all students should be treated with dignity, respect, compassion, and hopes the SARC team approach will let students know that we believe preventing and responding to sexual violence is a community responsibility. Stacy grew up traveling and living in the United States and Germany and attributes much of her personal and professional success today to her experiences as a child in a career military family. Stacy is a passionate New England sports fan, a self-proclaimed foodie, and is an avid reader and traveler. And then in the middle, we have Teddy. Teddy, oh, sorry. Oh, I thought we were clapping. for Teddy. Sorry, Stacy. I thought we were clapping for Teddy. So Teddy graduated from Villanova with an MA degree in English. During her time as a student, she served as the graduate assistant to gender and women's studies. She's currently working as adjunct professor in the English and sociology department at Lebanon Valley College teaching um, composition, gender studies, and late American literature. When she was here, um, she did some focus groups on some of these matters with different groups on campus. So she's also gonna talk about some of those experiences here. All right, so we're gonna go right ahead and get started. Um, Diane, so we'd love to hear what some of your reactions maybe to these words are, as well as what um, you can tell us about what's going on with the White House National Report, why it was commissioned, um, and what the state of things are nationally right now from your perspective. Um, can everybody hear me? I know I'm short, so it might be hard to see. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm a lawyer and a lobbyist, so I may be on the skeptical side of some of these issues. Um, as far as, um, I think it's really difficult for you to express yourselves as you would to a friend and, and describe the culture around sexuality here at Villanova. Um, 
um, may be old, but I still remember being in a sorority. I still remember being at parties where grain alcohol was served and explaining to my more rural uh, sisters that it was not fruit juice, that in fact it was, you know, 100% alcohol. So, you know, there's nothing new about these issues. Uh, has everyone heard about grain alcohol here? Read about it? Googled it? Okay, okay. Um, it, well, whether or not you have to be here to fulfill a requirement, it really uh, makes my heart full to see so many students willing to listen to the topic because uh, I'm a little skeptical about the sudden interest of uh, this administration and, and congressmen and women and senators on the topic of campus sexual assault when we've always known that the uh, highest risk factor for victimization was being a freshman in college. Did everybody know that? You heard that before? Uh, I think I don't know what it is. I didn't make the most smartest decisions in my life in college. I, oddly, I ran into a congressman, I won't say his name, but he was in a fraternity. I was in a sorority. We looked at each other and I said, I won't tell if you won't tell. So, um, <laughs> you know, it all came from uh, somewhere. It was the 70s, you know, I forgot to say. Um, <laughs> But anyway, I, I know, I, I know what, what went on, and we never really talked about it, and that was um, part of the problem. And hopefully what we can encourage you all to do today, and it doesn't take the White House to tell you guys what's going on on campus. You know better than anybody else. You also know that uh, there are people in this room that have experienced sexual assault or rape either in their childhood or on campus. I mean, you all know that, right? It's not a mystery, it's not a secret, it happens everywhere. What I always tell parents is, um, if you look at the Cleary Act report, does everybody know what that is? That's the report, crime reporting for college campuses that they're mandated to do. I say, if you see that they only have one or two sexual assaults, don't send your kid there because they're lying about it. They're covering it up. Um, one of the other things that, I might as well use my time to say what bothers me because I already got the check. Um, <laughs> edit, edit that part. Um, it, you know, uh, it, it just amazes me over the years thinking about it because this is the kind of stuff I think about for a living, if you can imagine how, how that can. I don't watch SVU, I'll tell you that much. Um, but when you think about it, sexual assault, rape is a crime. And um, only on college campuses does, uh, and I apologize for any campus judicial administrative officers that are here. Is any, are any of you here? All right, then I don't even care. Um, <laughs> but, you know, why are these people deciding whether or not a crime has occurred? I mean, for, in terms of the victim or the perpetrator, I mean, people go to school for a long time to become a prosecutor. Um, you know, it just boggles my imagination that, you know, the same people that are hearing plagiarism cases are hearing rape cases. I understand that a lot of victims don't 
want to report to law enforcement. And I get that because there's only a two to three percent conviction rate, rate for rape cases, which is, there's a lot of bad guys and bad women still out there. Um, another thing I'd like you to be bothered by, I know I'm totally off script and they're gonna be like, why do we call her? But like, um, <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you read in a paper, um, teacher had sex with student, right? You ever, that, it's, that's, not, that, that's not what happened. They'll say it about a four-year-old. Uh, you know, coach had, or you know, daycare worker had sex with child. No, they raped him. I don't care if it was oral or anal or whatever it was. It, that is a rape, that is a crime. That is one of the most traumatic things next to murder you know, that, that people experience. It impacts them for the rest of their lives. So, you know, let's call it what it is. And, and please, tell somebody. Um, I am a little conflicted about all the new reporting requirements because I know that some of you just want to get help or just want to be able to tell your story to somebody, a trusted friend, uh, uh, an you know, maybe your guidance counselor or whatever they call them now these days. Um, they still call them that or my, huh? Advisor. Oh, your advisor, that's right. Um, you know, your, your RA, they still have them, right? Okay, thanks. Um, not that old. Uh, they may have to report to the to um, you know whatever big shot uh, about uh, what you disclose. So what I would recommend, and I'm not just selling a product here, but you know when I check with Delaware County's Rape Crisis Center and the executive director there said, you know we 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 come to campus a lot, and that I would recommend that if you don't feel comfortable talking about sexual assault, or talking about rape, or disclosing a rape here because of how many reporting requirements there are, um, please go to the Rape Crisis Center um, and just tell somebody. That's the most important thing because uh, silence is, is what is keeping rape alive in America. And I want to see you bright, young, energetic, smart, well-dressed, I've maybe gone too far there, but you, <laughs> you people change things. I, I want you to talk about it. I want you to talk about hard things. I want you to, I want you to, you know, have he healthy relationships. You know, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, there's certainly going to be casual sex on college campuses. Nobody, if anybody denies that, then they've, they've, really have dementia, amnesia, or both. Because, you know, I'm not talking about myself, of course, but uh, it really does happen. But, you know, alcohol plays a big part sometimes. 80% of sexual assaults are committed with the use of alcohol. And, they're, and it's by somebody you know, somebody you think you can trust. I always say it's like, you know, you know, you got a picture of a person in your mind, and then all of a sudden they, they have a monster face, you know, like in Walking Dead or, you know, what, name a zombie movie you, you've recently seen. And, and that's exactly what it is, and people blame victims, and, 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 and people don't want to talk about it, and people don't want to think about it. And it's not going to change because of a White House counsel. It's not going to be changed because there's another federal statute saying 
this is what you have to do uh, procedurally around campus sexual assault. It's going to come from you people. It's going to come from you saying, um, we won't tolerate this anymore. I know that guy's a rapist. I know, I know she, she molested that kid. You know, you're the ones that are going to have to change the culture. It's not me. Peer-to-peer -peer education. I am so happy that you're having a, a men-only uh, session because, let's face it, sometimes we're more comfortable talking with members of our own gender. And, you know, they have, I remember, does anybody know Jiminy Cricket from the Disney? Disney? Okay. Well, when I was a kid in school, all the women, all the girls were taken into a... a uh, uh, the uh, cafeteria and all the shades were drawn and all of a sudden Jiminy Cricket comes on talking about sex and that's all I remember I'm like this cannot possibly be accurate you know we, we must have come farther than Jiminy Cricket I mean I don't want to learn sex from him I don't know what they said but and then the boys were in another room and that was all hush hush uh, but I think the, the, the point is that men and young men it's we know that the effectiveness of men-to-men, peer-to-peer teaching about these hard issues is the way to change hearts and minds. And that's what, I'm in the business of changing hearts and minds, and believe me, it doesn't pay. So if you're thinking, I saw there's, there's degrees in social work, but I, I gotta tell you, uh, I'm driving a Suzuki Reno 2008, so think about it uh, before you. Think before you commit to saving the world. Um, but I, I, I just can't emphasize enough. There's like 50 million, there was a Dear Colleague letter, OCR, Title IX, Bluey Blah, you know, uh, my partner calls it Bluey Blah when I talk lawyer talk because it doesn't make any sense, you know. But all of that, all those people, big shots sitting around a table, and you know what? It's coming down to you. Because if you don't start to tell and believe and, and, and tell people things have got to change and tell the campus, you know, we, we insist that a victim has representation, uh, you know, give them a lawyer for God's sake, you know, the a perpetrator has a lawyer. Why should, why should whoever is sexually victimized have, leave campus and it happens over and over and over again? And one of the things that PCAR has done is create a protection order for victims of sexual violence the PSP, uh, my friends, uh, the Pennsylvania State Police said, uh, won't go into a effect until July 1st, 2015. But it's one of the things that I think is going to help people on college campuses because it says, okay, put me in another dorm and keep people from yelling, she's a slut, she's a hoe, from out the window because that is a horrible thing that I've heard when back in the Stone Age when I went to school. So. You know, we have to change social norms and it's up to you. You know, I'd like to think I could write a law and change everything, but it's really you, your generation that's going to change things. I mean, we have the spotlight on sexual assault and the opportunities, but unless you don't, you say stop it, stop it right now, believe victims, talk to one another. If you're uncomfortable with a, a teacher or or, or a colleague that say something to somebody. Um, yeah. I think that is the perfect segue for Teddy. Oh, she's talking. She's cut me off. Do you believe that? <laughs> what? All right. Thanks very much. Thank you.
that is a perfect segue because Teddy, as a graduate assistant here at Villanova, was able to get into the, some of those spaces that we probably wouldn't have conversations with, um, maybe a faculty, faculty member or a police officer. So Teddy, if you could get into some of that because um, as Diane is saying, that could be a place where we could have actual change if we can have those conversations. Hi everyone, um, can you hear me? Not very well. Hello, hello. I hate microphones. Yeah, let me just use Diane. She has good luck, it seems. <laughs> you blessed it. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Okay, good. <laughs> All right, hi everyone. Um, so for the years 2012 and 2013 school year, um, I was the graduate assistant for gender and women's studies. And in addition to my administrative tasks in the office planning, helping to plan these kinds of events, I was also given the really great opportunity to work closely with some of our undergraduate students. And one of those uh, outreaches that I did, one of the ways that I was able to connect with all of you, um, was to lead a couple, uh, about four focus groups uh, with young um, female students here at Villanova. The focus groups ranged from 20 to 40 people at a time and uh, they represented all kinds of majors and um, class years. We had people from nursing, people from law, people from the humanities, sophomores, seniors, freshmen. Um, so I got a good variety of people and uh, we had a couple different topics that we did on these four different focus groups and they were um, the mass media, so the representations and the problematics of representations of females and um, of female sexuality. So in music videos and movies and music, we watched movies and music videos together and talked about them. Um, our second topic was actually Halloween costumes, which sounds really specific, but it served as a launching board into a broader discussion about uh, female dress codes and female sexuality, expressions of female sexuality. So we looked at pictures of some of the craziest uh, costumes that you could imagine women, or men for that matter, wearing on Halloween, and then we went from there. And then our third, um, our third topic was women in the workforce. So uh, we looked at um, the book Lean In, which maybe some of you are familiar with, and um, yeah, all the ways that uh, women sort of sabotage their own careers, <laughs> and all of those uh, very complicated topics. And while I was aware that um, probably the majority of these, these focus groups would sort of bring up sensitive topics, I was not fully aware of just how sensitive um, a lot of them would be. So while we talked about things like building resumes and networking um, when we spoke about women and work, and we talked about um, how gross Robin Thicke's music video is <laughs> um, in our media unit, we did not, uh, I did not necessarily expect that every single fo focus group would also want to talk about sexual assault on college campuses, specifically on this college campus, since this is the environment in which we were all sort of living and talking about. Um, and yet that topic came up over and over and over again. In fact, by the third focus group, I wasn't even surprised, although I was saddened by, by the things I was hearing. So um, the students I worked with were connecting many of their own life experiences to some of these a broader topic. So in the mass, when we talked about the mass media, um, 
students were very, very concerned about the way in which music videos and movies and music degrades women and reduces women to only their sexuality. And then they connected that to what they feel is the treatment of their own bodies here on Villanova campus. Um, they talked about how they're treated at parties, the way that they feel that men sort of only see them as um, something that can bring sexual gratification. I was particularly surprised um, to hear about some of the very sad facets of this hookup culture. Um, women talking about how they know that men kind of have these rituals that they do and at parties where they compete of how many women they can touch throughout the night in inappropriate places without them noticing, um, how many sexual interactions, you can use your imaginations, um, that they can sort of acquire throughout one weekend of partying, how many pictures they could take of women with them knowing but also without them knowing. Um, and then they connected all of this back to what they see in the media as men really only caring about women's bodies and not valuing um, any kind of deeper facet of them. And then this continued also into our discussion on Halloween costumes. Uh, we talked about how women often feel here on Villanova campus a deep pressure in their own female communities to kind of engage in and um, you know, interact with men on levels that they may not feel comfortable or maybe they're just simply don't want to do. So we talked about how women will go to parties and um, they know that they're at risk or they know that it may not be safe sex or they know that maybe it could be dangerous or God, the guy is honestly just not a nice person and yet they still engage in these sexual acts or they put themselves in risky places in order to kind of gain some sort of approval from their female friends all with the understanding that they each kind of hate doing it. So they, they, we also talked about um, you know, going in, into bathrooms or, or rooms with, with men that they don't want to go um, into rooms with just so that their female friends will see them come out with these men and know that they did something sexual, whatever that may be. Um, so this deep pressure that happens, um, not only men forcing women to do things, which happens, um, but also this sort of internalized uh, standard of how we should all be acting, even if it's kind of to um, our own danger and, and, and destruction. Um, and then finally, we, in our uh, workplace discussion, and this is where I actually was not anticipating as much some of these topics coming up. I was really sort of trying to keep it um, professional issues. And yet, sadly, what we realize is that for women, professional issues also mean how their bodies are treated at work. And those, cons those situations were also bleak. So we talked about their job, the jobs that many of you have over the summer um, where men treat you horribly. Uh, this game that I spoke of earlier about being touched when you don't want to be touched or um, how many times could a man touch you without you realizing it is also something that was happening at restaurants that you worked at and car dealerships. Uh, so how many times can a man, a man um, smack someone on the behind very lightly without them realizing it? How many times could they take a picture of them bending down and showing a bit of cleavage or some, something along those lines? Seemingly um, maybe innocent and yet also so humiliating and degrading to the point that these women were saying, I feel no better than some of these women on these music videos that we look at that are completely naked because I feel so exposed. 
Um, so we have all of these experiences that are not only occurring at Villanova, which we see at our parties, at our sorority meetings, at our frat meetings, at our clubs, um, but we also have them occurring even when we go home. So we have the sort of campus level violence and then we have this national level of violence. Basically, uh, what you can extract from this is that it's happening everywhere, no matter where you go and no matter where you are. Um, and that's why I think it was such a sort of at the center of all of these dialogues because women um, are having this happen to them all the time, whether it's outright rape, sexual assault, um, harassment, being called horrible words. We talked a lot about language and the way in which women feel pressured to do these things with men and yet uh, by Monday are called sluts and whores by their friends. They're put in these sort of horrible situations, um, both in their summer jobs and then back in the fall at their college campus where they should feel safe and empowered. Um, so this was all very disheartening and perhaps the most disheartening fact of all was that it was extremely normalized by all the students that I spoke to. Um, I consider myself a conversationalist who enjoys talking to people. People tend to tell me things, but at the same time I was a stranger and yet everyone spoke extremely freely about these issues. And I know that wasn't because I was so welcoming and so warm necessarily as much as it's just such an average experience that to talk about it is not a huge deal. Um, and yet it is a huge deal to share something so private and so personal. But what I found was that it was so completely normalized that there was almost an ease at which we could all dialogue. Um, a phrase I heard over and over again was, this is just college life. This is just party life. This is just sorority life, whatever. There was always this tendency to sort of chalk it to, it's just the way things are. You know, you could go outside and, you know, get hit by a car. You could, when you go to a party, you're probably going to get sexually assaulted. Um, so there was a real resignation and, and a real sort of just acceptance that this is the way things are, which speaks so much to the national climate um, of, of violence in our culture. But if I were to say a positive side of all of this as well, a, a takeaway, is that you are all very willing to talk and share and listen to one another. And the dialogue was all very um, sad and explicit, but yet also kind and thoughtful. Um, and it seemed that people wanted to share. And as Diane said, there's nothing more powerful than sharing. So the fact that many of you sat down with one another and with me and were willing to put a voice to some of these really scary, sad, humiliating narratives was, was a very wonderful thing, and I, I hope that it's something that you can continue doing um, beyond this event, both within the walls of Villanova and beyond. Thank you. Okay, can everyone hear me okay? Okay, good. Well, thank you. I'm, I feel a, an enormous amount of pressure following Diane and Teddy. Um, I echo all of their comments, and I think Teddy's um, experience in talking with students here uh, is a really important one, and I think she raised a lot of great issues and concerns, and I think something, from my perspective, working here, this is my 12th year working at Villanova, but really my third year working much more closely around the issue of sexual assault than I had the years previous. Um, I think it's important that if you take away nothing else from what we've already heard is that Villanova is not immune to this issue. I think I often hear Villanova students talk about this Villanova bubble 
that sort of uh, protects us from all of the things that happen outside of Villanova. And the reality is, is sexual violence is here. It happens here. And we can see that we do have uh, some components of our culture that unfortunately can contribute to that. Um, and I think it's important to uh, be talking openly and honestly about those things with one another. And as, as um, Diane said, it really does come down to our students talking to one another and working to change the culture. And so some of the things I wanna share with you about what Villanova is doing or provides or is available to you are all things that I would love to have all of you in this room participating in, having conversations about, finding ways to contribute and be a part of this conversation moving forward, not just leaving from here tonight and thinking about it, but what can you now do to sort of address some of the things that we've already heard. The other things I, I've heard from day one since I started working at Villanova uh, was Villanova is a community. Um, we pride ourselves on being, on a, being a community. I, I teach uh, several sections of the Healthy Living Learning community and I always ask them, why did you choose Villanova? They always say, I just sort of had this feeling of community from the moment I stepped foot on campus, when I took my tour, when I saw other students interacting with one another. And so what I, I would like to challenge all of you as students is to not just think about yourselves as a member of the community when it's easy to be part of the community, but think about yourselves as part of the community in those moments that are really difficult, when you're not comfortable with something that's being said, when you're not comfortable with seeing something you know not's right, something you just don't feel right about, um, something that we're really working, working to do, and I'll share a little bit more with you about it, is to really get students talking to each other about really raising awareness about how can I step in? What's my comfort and my confidence level? Um, and certainly when we talk about sexual assault, we want people to be thinking about what's sort of my safe option for intervening or responding, but we want you to do something. Um, the silence around this, not just in talking about it or for students who have been sexually assaulted to report it or to at least seek support, but the silence of the people that watch it happen. Um, and, and I'm sure we can probably paint a scenario um, that sounds familiar to some of the issues that Teddy's raised um, that would look familiar to many of you. We probably could all say we probably witnessed uh, a sexual assault in progression at some point, given the behaviors we know that lead up to uh, many students' experiences of sexual assault. So I wanted to sort of put that challenge out there to all of you because a lot of what uh, Villanova provides are certainly things that staff and faculty provide in a supportive way to our students. But again, changing that culture and the conversation has got to happen among all of you here as students. So I just wanted to briefly talk a little bit about um, some of the resources available. Um, and then I know we're going to shift into some um, questions and some other activity. Um, so I left a lot of materials out on that main table when you come in. So any of the resources that I'm mentioning, there's complimentary information out front for you to take with you. And I do encourage you to take those um, because certainly I can't get into great depth about all of those things um, in my time with you. But I do wanna let you know that Villanova certainly has been talking about this, um, thinking about this and the way uh, it provides supports to students well before the Not Alone report, well before you know, the government sort of said, colleges must be doing these things. So I do want you to be assured that this is not something that just uh, came onto Villanova's agenda several years ago as a result of the report. But what it has done is it has really challenged Villanova to really think about, are we doing the best that we can in terms of providing resources and support to our students? And from my perspective in health promotion, are we really engaging our students effectively in conversations about this? So we're really challenging ourselves with some of these uh, recommendations. 
I'll start by just saying I think the engaging men in the conversation is really important. And I would hope for many of our men sitting in the audience as you were listening to the things that Diane and Teddy were talking about, I have a hunch that you're pretty uncomfortable with a lot of these things as well. But I think the challenge for men um, is really feeling comfortable and confident saying something and doing something and facing the consequences that may come with that socially for you. So I do acknowledge that that can be a real challenge in engaging our men in this conversation, but it's something I think and I hope that we'll continue to sort of challenge our men to do on campus. And I think Dr. Horner's um, October 9th event is a great opportunity for many men in the room to begin to be a part of that process. But we have things that exist at Villanova already that men and women alike can get involved in. So we have our power peer educators who are trained by all of the different folks on campus who intersect with the sexual violence issue. Um, share with them what are the resources, what happens if a student goes here, goes there, seeks support here, what are the options. Um, they're trained to go out and talk peer to peer. So in line with what Diane was saying, encouraging students to talk with one another. But we know we need to have students who sort of understand uh, sort of what that process and the supports look like at Villanova so they can help share that with their peers. We also have a new bystander intervention training that we're rolling out throughout the course of this year. And um, for those of you who fit either as an RA, as a fraternity or sorority member, um, who is part of a leadership academy, um, who's a peer educator, all of those students by the end of this year will be trained in this new bystander intervention training, which is a three-hour training that focuses on how to effectively and safely respond and prevent sexual violence. So if that's something you're not already in those groups that I mentioned that you really want to be a part of, there's information out front. Please come and see me after this event. Um, please email someone at my office. Just get connected. Find out how to get involved in that. The other thing I want to mention is, um, in terms of male involvement, um, is our sexual assault resource coordinator team, that SARC team um, that Kayla mentioned in my introduction. So there are other members of the SARC team here. I, I can't tell where you are, but if you're here, can you please stand up just for a moment? There's a couple of them, and some of the, yeah, some are in the back there. They're not in here. Long, thank you, Christine. Long story short, there are 11 of us on the team. And we are trained to provide support for students who are reporting sexual assault. And in that role, we are not involved in any investigation. Uh, we're not uh, counselors. We're not involved in the disciplinary process. We're strictly there to support a student who is seeking support as a result of a sexual assault. Um, and in that role, we can help a student get accommodations, either with housing, academics, um, you know, any, any sort of orders of protection or those kinds of things that they might need. We can help them um, seek off-campus support, as, as Diane mentioned, if they're not comfortable seeking supports on campus. We can provide transportation to that student to those off-campus resources. Um, we're just a listening ear. You know, maybe um, the student has decided, I don't want to pursue anything at all with the university, legally. I just, I just need someone to kind of review with me, what are my options moving forward? Um, and so our role is to really be that person who's not tangled up in any of the other processes at the university, um, that work with the student as they need it, and we sort of call ourselves, we're your SARC for life. So if a student reaches out to a SARC um, as a freshman, we're still going to continue to reach out to that student throughout their entire Villanova career just to check in. How are you doing? Can I help you with anything? Has anything been a trigger for you over the last several months? And can I help you work through that? Are there things I can help you do to address that? Um, so that's, this team approach is something new that 
maybe in part was due to the Not Alone Report, maybe in part was just sort of where we were as a university and thinking about how can we best provide support to students. And, and part of the impetus behind that as well is that all of the members, though you can't see them, all come from different areas of campus. So many of us are in role, different roles in student life. We have several uh, folks who are in the colleges as advisors. Um, so I really encourage uh, you, if you ever know someone who has experienced a sexual assault, doesn't know what they want to do. They can contact ASARC 24-7, 365, and I have um, business cards out in the front that gives um, our cell phone number. Um, and there's someone on call 24-7 at that number. They could call 2 a.m. in the morning. They could call 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Somebody's going to answer that phone from the team and will respond to you right where you are or will meet with you or meet with you the next day, whatever you're comfortable with. So that information is out there. And on the flip side of that is how to report a sexual assault. So maybe you know or that student knows, I definitely want to report this. Well, this is the information on how you can go about doing that as well if you'd rather report than go directly to a SARC. Those are two of your options that are available to you. It turns out they're both 24-7 options. So if you want to report a sexual assault at Villanova, you don't know what you want to do, you want to connect with the SARC, both of those are 24-7 resources to you, 365. So those are some really important um, things we wanted to let you know about in terms of 24-7. Um, the other two pieces I wanted to mention is our Student Health Center is 24-7 when classes are in session. Um, and the reason why I mention them, and I also want to bring up the Counseling Center and uh, Augustinians in a pastoral capacity, those three people or offices are also confidential resources. Okay, so all of that information is more. I know I'm limited on time. All of that is available to you out front. Brochure, including a, a nice flow chart that tells you literally if I want to get help, where are all the places I can go. If I wanted to report, where are the places I can go. If I want accommodations, where are the places I can go? To really clearly lay out for someone who's really faced with a lot of decisions um, to kind of ease that uh, information for them. So I'm going to stop there. I have a lot more I could share, but please take the information that's out front um, with you if you have questions about that. <laughs>